Good morning and welcome to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great start to your Friday. It is now Friday, March the 11th, and we are very, March 12th, excuse me, and we're very excited that it finally is Friday and it's another day for Grizzlies basketball, something that we're going to say quite a bit over the next 10 weeks. Coming off a big victory against the Washington Wizards on Wednesday night, the Grizzlies have a very important matchup tonight against the Denver Nuggets, a Western Conference team who is in the back half of the Western Conference playoff standings right now. Though they have been playing a bit better, you know it certainly is an important matchup for the Grizzlies. Any opportunity that they have to gain a victory against a Western Conference opponent, especially an opponent that is in the back half of the playoff race in the Western Conference, that's a big step forward for this Grizzlies team in pursuit of the playoffs. But we got an exciting show for you today in the first segment going to do a rookie update after the first half of their first NBA season has been complete kind of where do Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman stand with their roles on the team how they're being you know how successful are they being where do they stand and how have they improved over the past few weeks since we last really dived into their seasons how are they looking as far as the second half goes we'll look at that in the first segment in the second segment all the talk about Gorgie Dang. It is clear that it seems the Grizzlies are dangling him in trade talks. We'll discuss different options that they can have with him as far as trade options go. See if there really is an opportunity for them to gain something relevant for his services. And in the third segment, we'll look into the matchup tonight against the Nuggets. Where can the Grizzlies succeed and where might they struggle going against a very, very, very good duo of players in Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray as well as the rest of the Denver Nuggets. Of course, you can find the show at Locked on Grizz. Myself at at Stats SEC. You can find the podcast wherever podcasts are available. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you choose to find your podcast, that's where we will be. And we ask that you listen, subscribe, enjoy. Let us know what you think. Leave reviews of the show. And when it comes to the show, let us know what you want to be discussed. We always want to make sure we are providing content that is relevant to our listeners' preferences. Well, when it comes to preferences, you know, especially with the Grizzlies, you know, I'll be honest with you, it may have been the case that for the Grizzlies, their preference of how they wanted to use Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman specifically to start the season, it may have been their preference that they were, you know, they had to utilize these players a bit more than they had hoped due to injuries as well as other things that were going on that were preventing you know, this, you know, that were preventing them from being able to really be able to use their best players. But the great thing about it, as we discussed earlier this season, both Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman have stepped right into the roles and have excelled when it comes to their production so far this season. Now, both Bain and Tillman have kind of seen their, you know, have kind of seen their roles go in a variety of different ways. You know, with Bain early to start the season, you know, he obviously was in a reserve role, set-up shooter, definitely was viewed for his shooting and was put out on the court for that specific reason and utilized that way off the bench. With Xavier Tillman, he actually was the one who took on the bigger role in time, especially when it came to injuries front with uh, Brandon Clark and Jonas Valanciunas. You know, Xavier Tillman was thrust into starting roles. He had a really really memorable starting game against the Suns in the MLK Day game, you know, before the Grizzlies season was halted. He had a really big impact, and in the game before that, he had another big impact. He actually made the last stop of the game to beat the 76ers and did really well on the perimeter and in needed situations against the Suns on Martin Luther King Day. 
So both rookies, when their numbers have been called to step into bigger roles, they really have delivered and delivered consistently. As a matter of fact, uh, when it comes to uh, this rookie class, uh, when you look at rookie, uh, when you look at all the rookies that have played in at least 25 games and are averaging 15 or more minutes a game, Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman are in the top three of this rookie class when it comes to net rating. So what that means is, is that of all the rookies that are in this rookie class that are obviously that obviously have been playing consistently significant roles for their team, both Bain and Tillman are two of the best rookies when it comes to adding positive value while they're on the court. But of course it is Tillman shooting. I mean, or excuse me, uh, Bain shooting. Uh, when it comes to Desmond Bain right now on 114 attempts from three, he's shooting 45.6% from beyond the arc. Now, that ranks first among rookies who have more than 100 three-point attempts this season. It also ranks sixth among NBA players who have more than 100 attempts this season. Now, I'm not saying that he is, you know, one of the top 10 or 15 shooters in the league. You know, for one thing, obviously, he has nowhere near the volume that other shooters do. And another thing is, is that he's not that good at creating shots himself as of yet. But Bain certainly is expanding beyond just his ability to shoot the three. Yes, he did have a game where he scored 20 points, you know, last Wednesday against the Wizards, and he also made five threes. That's what his bread and butter is, and that's that's the area the Grizzlies need for him to excel is shooting the three. But Bain has improved from all three levels when it comes to shooting the mid-range shot. He is creating his shot from there. He also is using his intelligence to know when to get to the rim. And his chemistry with players such as John Morant, especially in the starting lineup, has shown as well. So while Bain is doing excellent at the thing that he's known to do well, he also has certainly expanded his game on both ends of the floor to where he has been. He's continuing to add more value in that starting role with Taylor Jenkins' preference to have a shooter next to John Morant with Grayson Allen being out, Bain has stepped right into that role and has really delivered you know, in time on both ends of the court. Xavier Tillman has seen his role kind of shift back a bit over the past few weeks, you know, including before and after the All-Star game now. Tillman is settling in, kind of into being that fifth big because you know, when you consider Valanciunas and Brandon Clark, obviously, as your two as your top two, you know, main bigs, and then you get other players who can play the four, like Kyle Anderson and Justice Winslow in certain lineups. Tillman has seen his role kind of shift down. He's playing about 15 minutes a night. He's not doing anything spectacular, you know, typically giving you five to eight points, probably two to five rebounds, and you know, a, you know, multiple assists, you know, on most nights. He's playing his role just fine off the bench, but he still is remaining a net positive when it comes to that role that he's playing. When you look at the lineup, um, you know, data, when Tillman starts, Starts, he probably is out of his element. There are indications that Grizzlies starting lineups with Tillman in them do struggle uh, when it comes to their ability to create offense. But off the bench, especially when it comes to defense, Tillman certainly is holding his own and adding plenty of value. Some of the Grizzlies' you know best lineups, you know, in the four and three man rotations that are out there, they they have Tillman in them because of what he's done off the bench. So in that fifteen minute role that Tillman is feeling just fine, he's doing exactly what he needs to do, and that's likely going to be where he settles over the next year or two. You know, we saw in the Washington game. And this is nothing against Tillman, it's just an observation. We saw that a crafty big man who has a size advantage on him in Robin Lopez, who he himself is in no way near considered to be, you know, a positive value when it comes to offense, but he absolutely schooled Xavier Tillman multiple times in those Washington games. That's just a development that's there for an observation. Against bigger, more talented centers, 
and post players, Tillman is probably going to struggle. He's undersized, and he's limited athletically, so even though his smarts do help him make the most of what he can offer, it probably becomes exposed or overextended in 25 to 30 minute a night stretches when he's starting against better talent. So Tillman is doing just fine in the role that likely is going to be where he excels in the NBA, which is in that 15 to 20 minute range as a third or fourth big off the bench playing as the post player in a second unit. So overall, the Grizzlies rookies are doing exactly what we expected to do. They're staying consistent in the things that they offer. Bain with his three-point shooting as well as improving on both ends of the court. Tillman with his intelligence, his decision-making, and his consistent ability to add positive value whenever he's on the court. Those are really shining now for Bain in the starting lineup and Xavier Tillman in the second unit. But the thing about it is, is that with the emergence of these two rookies, we have seen a few players who have kind of taken a step back in terms of their relevance or being used in the rotation. John Conchar is obviously one person, but the other is Gorgie Dang. And Gorgie Dang certainly is the most logical trade candidate off this Grizzlies roster that we could see discussed over the next few weeks. Coming up, I'll discuss how some things are out there that the Grizzlies certainly are looking to see what they can get with Dang and what avenues they might be able to take to use him as a trade asset to get value for the future. When it comes to make, the Grizzlies making a deadline move, I don't know how much you'd actually be willing to bet on them making a trade deadline move. But I can tell you this, if part of your fandom is enjoying being able to place bets and wager on sports, I can tell you one place that you can trust and one place that you can go that has you covered, and that's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and use the promo code LOCKEDON. Receive 50% receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Visit BetOnline today. Today on the Locked On Today podcast... On the one-year anniversary of the NBA shutting down due to COVID, an NCAA team is forced out of the tournament due to a positive test. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. So again, it's March 12th, and obviously it's a really exciting time as it is any NBA season. Normally, um, it's this it's an exciting time towards the end of January and the uh, 1st of February. It certainly has been that case for the Grizzlies fans. You know, over the past few years in 2019, of course, we had the speculation about Mike Conley and Mark Gasol, which ultimately led to the Gasol for Jonas Valanciunas trade in 2019. And then last year, it was the Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, and Solomon Hill trade, you know, for um, Justice Winslow that also eventually brought in Gorgie Dang. Well, this year, I don't know if we're going to see a trade for the Grizzlies that is on that level. I had speculated on Monday the idea that, you know, perhaps selling high on Kyle Anderson could make some sense with, you know, the need out there for wing depth as well as other things going on, you know, just to where Kyle Anderson may make sense as a trade candidate for the Grizzlies in which they could gain a controllable asset that would help them closer to when they're contending than Kyle may be 
able to offer now? Well, and just talking with some folks, you know, for instance, Keith Smith. Keith was on the uh, Grizzly Bear Blues live podcast last night. I've spoken to Keith on a couple occasions as well, you know, via the locker room app. By the way, before we go any further, I do want to thank those who attended last night's, last night's uh, first edition of Let's Talk Grizzness on the locker room app. It was quite successful. We'll again be doing that every Thursday night. But via the locker room app, I've talked with Keith Smith a few times about what the Grizzlies could do at the trade deadline. And, you know, the Grizzlies are certainly out there with the mind to see if anything comes their way, but it really seems that right now their attention is focused on what could be there for Gorgie Dang. Now, when it comes to the outcomes for Gorgie Dang, the Grizzlies could go a variety of different ways. Now, I do feel that the most likely outcome for Gorgie Dang in terms of his future with the Grizzlies is that I do feel that the most likely outcome is him being bought out. Once the trade deadline passes, the Grizzlies will keep intact the benefit of, you know, what comes with the value of Gorgie Dang being an expiring contract. And then they can buy him out and allow for him to go find, you know, an, an opportunity with a contender. And let's put it this way, you know, before we get any further, is Gorgie Dang is still someone who can add value. As long as you, you know, keep what he does in context, he could certainly add value. He shoot 48% from three this year, is certainly a capable defender, and can add value both creating for other teammates as well as, you know, rebounding, shot blocking, putting shots back. He is a perfectly capable and fine option, in my opinion, as a fourth big for a playoff team, as long as you play him 10 to 15 minutes in the playoffs. That would be a track that there are several teams out there that need that type of depth for the playoff run. But unfortunately for the Grizzlies and Dang, in terms of his trade, you know, opportunities that may be out there. There are probably three to five other options, Ed Davis, JaVale McGee, others, cheap, uh, cheaper options who may offer a bit more upside than Dang that would be easier to move. So I do think that the most likely scenario remains in place that Gorgie Dang could be bought out just simply because the Grizzlies don't find a deal for him at the deadline. Now, the other thing is, and I mentioned it on Twitter a bit earlier today, is that there are teams out there that could trade for Dang in the right deals. You know, you could see the Grizzlies, you know, go after, you know, talk with, you know, the Wizards, talk with the Knicks, talk with the um, uh, Hornets about potentially moving Dang for, for other expiring contracts and in a second round pick or two. And, and, you know, like I mentioned on Twitter, getting second round picks for Dang is not necessarily viewed as just a meh type move. It literally could, for this Grizzlies front office, that is a valuable asset. That's a valuable trade to make because we saw what this franchise can do with second-round picks. In 2019, they make a bunch of trades to to fortify the roster under Taylor Jenkins, and they got some second-round picks in tow as well. They then use those second-round picks to be able to get Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman in the 2020 draft, which obviously seems to be very savvy moves to get depth pieces that can add value. Well, if the Grizzlies can use Gorgie Dang now to get future second-round picks that they can then use to get later to get uh, trade targets in the future later in drafts, that's how you keep building up controllable depth. And so that is another route the Grizzlies could go if they actually did trade Gorgie Dang. Now, of course, you know, in talking with Keith Smith, he said that the most ideal thing is for the Grizzlies to potentially get a controllable piece for the future for Dang. And, you know, there are options out there. You know, for instance, you know, with the Knicks, you know, you could you could look at, you know, a, maybe a, a player that's fallen out of favor and a Kevin Knox or a Frank Nicholson. Frank Nicolatina, I have a hard time pronouncing his name. I, I believe that Nicolatina is going to be expiring after this year, but in general, that's the type of thing you could see. You could see the, the Grizzlies possibly trying to get that type of player back. Now, 
it has to make sense. I don't think the Knicks are going to trade either of those two players straight up for Gorgie Dang without the Grizzlies maybe throwing in a bit something more. And in that case, it may not make sense for Memphis. But perhaps Memphis wants to go and talk to Washington. I throw the deal out there last night that, you know, seemed to at least get some reasonable feedback of Gorgie Dang in two future seconds for Robin Lopez, Ish Smith, and... Um, uh, Troy Brown, you know, with the focus being on Troy Brown, a similar type deal to what the Grizzlies did last year to get Justice Winslow. Now, it's probably very unlikely that type of deal makes sense, but I do think this Grizzlies team could, instead of having Gorgie on the roster, they instead could have at least a, you know, a reasonably talented young wing project on the roster that maybe Taylor Jenkins can work his magic with to make into a rotation player, if not this year, next year, depending on how the roster takes shape next year. And Brown is controllable at least through next year for the Grizzlies. With Lopez and Smith, maybe you want to keep Smith around if you make another roster decision as a um, you know third point guard. I think that they would then buy out Lopez to allow for him to find other opportunities. So that is a move that they could make. They could go get another they could go get an intriguing piece in a trade that would allow for them to be able to have depth in a needed position going forward. Now, the only thing that comes away from that is that if the Grizzlies then have to trade more seconds, that really depletes their, you know, seconds that they have for the future. Does Troy Brown really move the needle enough for them to do that? I don't know. But if there's buy-low candidates out there that the Grizzlies could potentially go get using Dang to a team that needs him, that could make sense. So there are ways in which the Grizzlies could use Dang to make a, a valuable trade. I don't think it's likely. And I also, it's something that has to be remembered, as Nathan Chester of Grizzly Bear Blues mentioned last night on Twitter, the thing that needs to be mentioned is that with Dang right now, he's out of the rotation for a reason. He's out of the rotation because the Grizzlies want to play younger players and develop them for the future. The future has always been in focus. If Memphis were to trade Dang for another controllable asset, it's not a guarantee that that asset's going to automatically be in the rotation. So if that's the case, what sense does it really make for the Grizzlies to attach second-round second picks to Dang just to go get another player that they're hardly ever going to play? I think that comes into play as well, and that's why. So you either are using second round picks to go get a player that you're not probably not going to play that much this year, that it's going to take a lot of different happenings to make happen for him to play next year, or you're going to have to expand the deal with other controllable pieces, controllable pieces yourself to go get a controllable piece with Dang that would make it w worth moving all those pieces. All in all, what I'm getting at is, is that I think that the reason why it's going to be, it's unlikely that the Grizzlies are going to be able to turn Dang into a controllable piece is for them to get a controllable piece that they would actually crack our rotation. It would be a more complex deal than just for Dang straight up. And that's why I think it would be a bit harder. And it would be, you know, it, it's probably not going to be worth the effort, you know, if you're going to have to attach more just to get a, a player that may be your ninth or 10th best player in your rotation. So when it comes to trading Dang, that's the thing that really comes down to it, is that there are more sensible options for other teams to go after because they're cheaper in terms of the market out there for bigs. And then for the Grizzlies to really make a trade work out in which they use Dang to go get a controllable asset, it's going to probably have to involve more players on the Grizzlies end to go get it, or they're going to have to do a two-for-one or three-for-one deal just to make it work out with Dang's salary, and that's going to be hard to fit with this roster unless they buy out some of the players that they get in return. They can make it happen, but is the return that you're going to get 
using Dang as the main piece going out really worth it? I don't know. So that's why I think that it, when it comes down to Gorgie Dang, though there could be some sensible options out there, I think that his most likely scenario is being bought out. But if we can get anything, whether it be second-round picks or a controllable player that the Grizzlies like and return to Dang, I think that's a best-case scenario. But in the end, it's not a bad outcome if it comes to Dang not being traded, to him being bought out, and the Grizzlies getting to benefit from his contract going forward. Well, we could sit here and continue to talk all we want to, which we will, trust me, about what could happen at the trade deadline when it comes to the Grizzlies. But the focus right now for this team is obviously tonight as they continue their playoff pursuit. They've got a big, big task ahead of them, though, when it comes to the one-two punch of Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. Just how, the, just how could the Grizzlies be able to find success against that duo? And how else can they find success or where may they struggle tonight against the Nuggets? Coming up, I'll talk about where the Grizzlies might be able to find ways to win tonight against the Denver Nuggets. This week we've talked with you about Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, the great product that we've talked with you for over a year now on the Locked On Podcast Network. And the reason why we talked about it so much is because it's such a great product. I, myself, and other Locked On Podcast hosts have made it a part of our daily routine because of how awesome it is. It's so hell, it's so versatile. Have it in the morning as breakfast, have it in the afternoon as a snack, just a small yet significant addition to your day that can certainly add a health benefit. There's 18 great flavors to choose from, and right now with March Madness in the air, they've got their March Madness Protein Bar Tournament going on to truly choose the best flavor of all. The results are being tallied, and we will know those throughout the weekend into next week to update you on the next flavors to choose from as we move forward in the March Madness Tournament. But don't forget that if you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON20, you'll get 20% off your next order from Built Bar. Again, that's going to BuiltBar.com using the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order from Built Bar. Speaking of March Madness, it is in the air, and we will determine... The March Madness to be excited about with the Tournament Selection Show coming up on Sunday. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network will be live on Selection Sunday, March 14th, reacting to who's in and who's out of the NCAA Tournament. Big Ten, Ben Stevens, and Josh Neighbors host Selection Sunday Live with local experts from around the Locked On College Network and podcasts. Follow at Locked On Live on YouTube, Twitch, or Facebook today and watch our Selection Sunday special on March 14th. Back to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. So tonight, the um, Memphis Grizzlies welcome the Denver Nuggets to the FedEx Forum. And the thing is, is that, you know, this is a, a good test for the Memphis Grizzlies. They're going to be facing a team in the Denver Nuggets who really seem to be emerging as a top six team in the West. I do think they still have an outside shot of working their way even into the top four of the West as time goes on. But, you know, it starts with, obviously with the Nuggets, it starts with the play of Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. And the thing is, is that at this point, yes, Murray still may be inconsistent, but when it comes to those two, the best you can do is just trying to contain it as much as you can. Nikola Jokic is possibly one of, if not the best threats to get a triple-double on any single night, including 20 points involved in that triple-double. So he's going to get his. You know, I know that there was that game, you know, a few years back where Marcus Gasol held him to like, you know, over the first 46 minutes of the game, Jokic didn't even get a shot off. And it was just an incredible defensive performance by Gasol. I don't necessarily think we're going to see that tonight in terms of the Grizzlies defending Nikola Jokic. But it is going to be a formidable duo for the Grizzlies to defend. But the thing is, is that as we mentioned, since Justice Winslow has come back, and then with Grayson Allen now back, the Grizzlies are at their healthiest when it comes to their roster that they've been all season. 
That could certainly play into the Grizzlies' hands for a couple of reasons. Number one, the big thing they would allow for the Grizzlies to do is that they're going to be able to throw different looks to a team in the Nuggets that is a very good shooting team. This The Nuggets are second in the NBA in field goal percentage this season. They're both second in the they're fifth in the NBA from three and six when it comes to two pointers. Now the thing is is that they don't shoot either frequently as other teams do because they're 28th in pace. But this is a very this is a very, very efficient half-court team, perhaps the best in the league outside of maybe Utah and a few others. But this is a very efficient half-court team. They know how to get their shots with much of their production going through Jokic. Now, the big thing about it is this, is that when it comes to Nikola Jokic and his play, obviously it's the point of, yes, you you're know that he's going to get his but somewhere, somehow, the Grizzlies are going to have to find a way to make sure he doesn't, you know, produce 50 to 60 points directly himself by scoring 20 to 25 on his own and then getting 10 to 15 assists, you know, as a compliment to his score. If they do that is staying disciplined. I know that the Grizzlies are a very opportunistic defense, but they cannot sacrifice the opportunity. And then they have it. I'm not saying that this is something that they have done. They just got to remember to stay disciplined and stay in place because if they try to get too over-aggressive to create turnovers, I do think Denver certainly has the offensive ability to be able to really find weak spots to you know, counter whatever the Grizzlies may do to try to get turnovers. So staying disciplined is going to be a big thing for the Grizzlies. Another big thing is, is that, you know, obviously containing Jokic and Murray is, is trouble within itself, but you've also got to be able to stop you know, anybody else from really stepping up. You know, they do have a couple of decent players who could step up on any given night. Michael Porter Jr. certainly stands out as someone. Monty Morris as well. And that's the thing about this Denver team is that they do have compliments. And when Jokic and Murray get going and teams have to focus on them, if another Nuggets player steps up, that really improves their chances to win. But a couple of factors do favor the Grizzlies tonight. For one, the Nuggets are going to be without four rotation players. Well, three rotation players. Four players overall in tonight's game. Jermichael um, Green, former Grizzly, R.G. Hampton, Gary Harris, Paul Millsap. You know, Green, Harris, and Millsap all, you know, have have had significant roles in the Nuggets rotation this season when they played. They're all three going to be out along with Hampton. So depth is not going to be there for the Nuggets like it is for the Grizzlies. And so if the Grizzlies can get turnovers, though Denver is not that prone to creating turnovers. If Memphis can get turnovers, they can get on the run. They may be able to use their depth to an advantage to tire out the Nuggets, you know, who are coming from their first game back from the All-Star break. Yeah, the Nuggets are going to be fresh, but if there's any type of, you know, rust coming off of, you know, a, a lengthy break during the All-Star game, you know, that could play into the Grizzlies' favor. But the other big thing that really could step up for the Grizzlies is, once again, they do have an opportunity to really produce in the paint. The one the one weakness of this Denver Nuggets team is defending the paint. This team, the Denver Nuggets, are last in the league when it comes to defending the paint against opponents. They are allowing opponents to shoot nearly 67% at the rim this season. That certainly plays into the Grizzlies' favor. Now, yes, the Grizzlies do have a, do a good job when it comes to the floaters, and Denver is, you know, much better away from the rim, you know, than right at it. But if John Morant and Jonas Valanciunas and, and, and others can work off of Tyus Jones, Dylan Brooks, you know, Brandon Clark, make, you know, Kyle Anderson making those floater shots, then they can be able to find easier ways to get to the rim, and that could potentially open up the opportunity from three. So if the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies should have an opportunity to be able to find ways to get shots going. It's a lot, this game could be a lot like 
the game that we saw, I believe, two weeks ago, that first game against the um, Clippers when we played them on back-to-back -back nights in which the Grizzlies beat the Clippers by, I believe, about 30 points, you know, where they did so good holding uh, Kawhi and Paul George, you know, containing them well. I don't know if they're going to be able to contain Jokic and Jamal Murray that as well as they did Kawhi and Paul George, but if the Grizzlies can find success early in the game with their floaters, that can set up high percentage looks at the rims from three, and with how it's are to allowing good looks at the rim, the Grizzlies could really find the consistency they need to be able to keep up with the Nuggets offense, because the Nuggets Again, they're 28th in the league in pace. And with how efficient they are on offense, possessions are going to become of higher value since they're going to since there's going to be fewer of them on a consistent basis. So when it comes to tonight's game, the Grizzlies are really going to have to perform well. They're going to have to be efficient on their own in a half-court offense. They're going to have to find as high percentage looks as they can on their first look at the rim. And any added advantage that comes from them being able to create turnovers certainly plays into their favor with their ability to get out on the run as well as their depth being an advantage in this game. So certainly a winnable game for the Grizzlies. The Nuggets, I think, are rightfully favored with Murray and Jokic both well-rested, and the Grizzlies are going to have to find a way to be able to contain those two. I think, in my opinion, I don't think it's any argument that both Murray and Jokic are the two best players on the court when the starters are on the court, though I think you can make an argument between Murray and Moran. But my point for bringing that up is, if, is that if that's the case, the Grizzlies are going to have to find a way to overcome the Nuggets maybe having the top-heavy talent advantage, but the Grizzlies having the overall advantage when it comes to the depth. That depth is going to have to shine tonight with a lot of people contributing and really solid defense. So it should be a fun night at the Forum. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much for tuning in for this edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Again, you can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SAC. Whenever you get the chance, make sure you listen, subscribe, enjoy the shows, give us reviews, let us know what you think of the show, and let us know of any content you might like to be discussed. Until next time, we will have a show over the weekend discussing the game against the Nuggets, as well as other things going on before the Grizzlies face off with the Thunder on Sunday. Join us then, but until then, hope you have a great Friday and great end of your week, and we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.